0: What is up everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to fouled out. Matt is going to be joining me in just a minute to talk about week five of the NFL season. As we mentioned at the end of the last podcast, Matt and I played each other in fantasy football over the weekend. It did not end well for Matt. So I'm going to have a little bit of fun with him at the beginning of the podcast talking about that because he also just lost Justin Jefferson to the IR. Sorry for all you guys that are hurting with injuries out there. I lost Devon Achan for four weeks as well, so I know how you feel. This podcast, we're going to talk a bit about the 49ers and their big win over the Cowboys, as well as what I like to call the zigzag teams in the NFL. Seems like a season of teams that as soon as you expect them to pull away or to really take the next step, they take a step back. Think of the Bills beating Miami 48-20 to and then going to London and losing a weird game to the Jags this week. The Ravens, we were talking about how good they were looking last week, and then all of a sudden they lose the most Pittsburgh game ever and they get dragged back down. So we're going to go over some of those teams. And then at the very end, we're going to do scolds and bolds from week five of the NFL season, as well as the eliminator pool pick. So stay tuned for that. Uh, We are obviously cruising through the eliminator pool so far, and we got a good pick for you this week. So let's bring in Matt and let's go. All right, Matt is here. I was going to start off the podcast the same way I do every week by asking you how you're doing, but (laughs) we played each other in fantasy this weekend, and then I saw today that Justin Jefferson is now on the IR for the next four weeks. So I imagine that is bad is the answer. (laughs) I was going to do you a favor by not talking about our fantasy matchup on the podcast, Just because it went poorly. It's like, I don't even feel good about winning because your team just had one of those weeks where you just kind of like poop your pants. Yeah. There's no like worse feeling than watching one of your opponent's players go off on a Thursday. Yep. We're going to talk about why Justin Fields went off on Thursday in a little while, but it's no... Worse feeling than watching your opponent's player go off on a Thursday and then you have like three days to think about it and you're like, oh, well, you know, th- eh, this happens and you kind of talk yourself into how you can win. Yeah, you give yourself hope when there actually is not any. It's like you should have given up on Thursday night and then. ah, it's not a great week. I kind of feel your pain. I was saying in the opening that I lost Devon Achan for four weeks now. He's got a knee injury. Yeah. I only got to enjoy him for like one week, you know, because I've had him. I drafted him. I didn't play him, obviously, in his big breakout game. The week after, I was like, ah, okay, it's it's one game. Let's see. He has the huge follow up game. And I was like, okay, I have to play him now. He had a huge game on Sunday again. And now I'm just going to miss him for four weeks. It hurts my feelings. You know, Miami has RB2 and RB3 in fantasy right now with HN and Mostert. Yeah. And I think We're Tyree talking about
1: that this weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah. Tyreek kills the wide receiver one <laughs> as well, which shouldn't surprise anybody because they just set the record for most yards from scrimmage through five games. They're like, they yeah. past the greatest show on turf for the most yards through five games of a season. So get well soon. HN and Justin Jefferson, you will be missed. <laughs> I have, two topics to talk about with you today that are going to cheer you up. Yes. The first one is that the 49ers absolutely whomped Dallas on Sunday night. 42 to 10. The second is that the NFC North race might already be over. Let's start with like the bigger national news. We'll do the 49ers game first. And then we'll visit with our Motor City Kitty friends, the local Detroit team. So like I mentioned, 49ers beat Dallas 42-10 to Sunday night, absolutely dominating all three phases of the game. This seems like kind of an obvious takeaway, but I've left five weeks of football just thinking that the 49ers are head and shoulders above the rest of the NFL right now. We kind of talked about them in the offseason. We gave two options for them this season with their Philly obsession that we talked about ad nauseum. Yep. And it was either the Philly thing drives them crazy and they are the bad vibes team and they are not that they're not as good as they should be this season or two the Philly thing turns them into like a heat seeking revenge missile that just wreaks havoc on the entire league there was no in between it was either like 9 and 8 or 17 and 0 and it looks like we're headed towards the latter right now with how good they've been
1: definitely the latter of the two uh is the the direction they have trended in. I am very curious to see what would happen to them if they go into week 13 and then lose to the Eagles again to see if that would kind of like derail, derail them. But like that is literally the only concern at this point. Kyle Shanahan is absolutely in his bag right now. The one area of their offense that I am like a little bit more skeptical of when they're just like, you know, like straight up, just like drop back passing game. Well, you know what? No one has been able to force them to need to really rely on that a whole lot. So good luck.
0: (laughs) I know Purdy looks like he's taken, like Purdy's taken the jump in year two that you would hope that like a lot of these young quarterbacks who were drafted over the last three years would take. It's like, yeah, I get it. You have so much time. Like the offensive line is so good. You got time. Everybody's open or there's an open person on every route because the weapons are absolutely ridiculous. Like the two teams right now that I think far and away have the best weapons are Miami and San Francisco. I think the Eagles are probably up there too. I think you can make that argument. But that's a pretty loaded skill position team as well but like they make it super easy on Brock Purdy but also just like his ability to process get the ball out quickly like keep that offense moving he just like seems like he knows the offense so well this year and he knows where he wants to go with the ball
1: all the time if you look at like the 49ers and the Eagles I think really it just kind of comes down to like Okay, do you prefer the better weapons to be running backs or wide receivers? The thing that is also so scary about Purdy is that, like, yeah, the offensive line is great and they're going to give him time, but he doesn't need it because he gets the ball out really quick, like nine times out of 10 he knows where he's going based off the pre-snap read. And if the pre-snap read ends up being wrong, he makes the adjustment and goes to the next guy, which is really a, a testament to Cal Shanahan's offense and being designed in a way to make that easier.
0: Did you ever see that movie, The Brady Six, or whatever it is? No.
1: No, (laughs) do you know it's so if you haven't
0: seen it, the Brady six is like a movie about the six. It's like the Brady six or the Brady seven. It's about all the quarterbacks who were drafted ahead of Tom Brady in that draft. Yeah. And about like how their NFL careers panned out and what they're doing now. And it's like it was filmed while he was still in New England. And they're like, here's the quarterback drafted ahead of Brady. He now sells energy for a wind farm. And then it shows Tom Brady. They're like, Tom Brady's just won his sixth Super Bowl. <laughs> I have a feeling that we're moving towards getting like a a Brock Purdy documentary or like a, a Brockumentary, if you will, called the Purdy Eight, and about like the eight quarterbacks drafted ahead of Brock Purdy, because that draft class was weak at quarterback going in. The majority of those guys who started last season or had time last season somehow. Look like they're even worse this season. Like Pickett in Matt Canada's offense looks like he's regressed massively. Like the jury's still out on guys like Ritter and Howell who are yeah. starting for their teams and are kind of up and down. But like, you know, Malik Willis is in there. Uh I think what Matt Corral, like some other guys. Yeah. The the Brock Purdy thing's incredible. I I see us on a trajectory where we're like, God all these eight quarterbacks were taken ahead of him and he's probably like what a top 15 ish quarterback in the league right
1: now. Seriously. Like try to name 15 quarterbacks that you would take over him right now. That's a really, really hard thing to do.
0: I think people would argue weapons and scheme are probably helping him. And it's probably true. Like you stick anybody in that situation, they get better, but we've been over and over again on this podcast about yeah. how the quarterback can make the weapons, but the weapons also kind of make the man and in an offense, yeah.
1: you know? I think people want to have their cake and eat it too. With that particular argument, I have seen some really inconsistent lines of logic, uh, in lines fandom over the last year or so where like, I, I, I'm going to preface this by saying, like, I'm all about Jared Goff at this point in time. Like, he is who the Lions have needed at this point in their franchise's development. However, for them, for people to sit there and be like, oh, like, Jared Goff, like, he needed the offensive line. He needed the the receivers, like... His first year in Detroit, this, this, and that, making all the excuses for him like the last couple years in LA. And then, like, now that Jared Goff is surrounded by a better team than Stafford ever had in Detroit, there's this talk about like, okay, well, like, if he wins one playoff game, is he automatically a better Lions quarterback than Stafford was? And No one wants to talk about the fact that Stafford literally got his back broken by the roster that he was playing with. You, Yes, like every quarterback needs weapons. Every quarterback needs an offensive line. Not every quarterback can do anything with an offensive line and weapons. We have seen that time and time again. So, like, yeah, those things have helped Brock Purdy, but, like, we have seen enough quarterbacks that could not do anything with equal weapons to what Brock Purdy has. So, I'm not going to hear any of that. Like, the dude is really smart, he's decisive, and he puts the ball exactly where it needs to be, like... That's what a quarterback is supposed to do.
0: Yeah, there are very few quarterbacks in the NFL every year and like really throughout NFL history who are transcendent enough to make less than ideal situations work as far as like your offensive line, your weapons not being as good and still being able to make the playoffs and be a competitor. Right. And we see every year like situations change and all of a sudden guys drop off and it's like, oh, man, this guy just like dropped off out of nowhere. What's going on? You know, Dak Prescott, the guy who was on the other side of this beat down, is a pretty good example of that because. You know, they Amari Cooper has gone. They let mm-hmm. Kellen Moore leave over the offseason. So like your offensive coordinator has gone. Some of your weapons are gone.
1: Like, you don't know, oh, they, they didn't line let him anymore. leave. They they chick Mike McCarthy chased him out of town as a scapegoat.
0: <laughs> the Cowboys are one of the only teams that could win double-digit games, win a playoff game, lose on the road to a good 49ers team, and then still need a scapegoat. It'd be like this is a failure of a season even though they haven't won a Super Bowl since the 90s.
1: That the argument from McCarthy was like, well we we weren't really running the ball enough even though like they were like sixth or seventh in the NFL and rush rate last year. But what, what does Mike McCarthy do to open up this game against the 49ers? He, he throws the ball like seven or eight of the first 10 points. Okay. So you're, well, we, we all knew that you were full of shit from the beginning Except for Jerry Jones, apparently, because he hired you. But I think that's more of a game recognizes game thing and just brought him in.
0: The Cowboys had a really good season last year from an objective standpoint. Like I said, double-digit wins, you win a playoff game, you have stuff to build on, and you decide to get rid of a guy who's thought of as one of the better offensive coordinators in the NFL. And you're just like, yeah, we're no, we're good without him. It's actually his fault that we didn't win the Super Bowl. So he must be he must be fired. They kind of seem like a team right now that is just going to beat up on bad teams. And when they do, people are going to be like, oh, well, watch out for Dallas. Like, you know, their three wins are over the two New York teams and the Patriots who we're not going to talk a ton about my team on this podcast because I just I can't <laughs> <laughs> physically unable to after the last two weeks, but those are like three of the five worst teams in the league right now. I mean, maybe yeah. the jets are a little bit better than that,
1: but they're down there. I put some thought into this and just looking at the roster, looking at the games that they played, like they're built to win a very specific way if that game plan doesn't work flawlessly, they're not going to win. Like, point blank period. If the other team is able to run the ball and mostly, like, control the clock, which multiple teams have done so far this year, in the few games that they've played, suddenly that pass rush that they have is useless to them those pass rushers are getting constantly pounded by blockers and they don't have that extra little twitch to get by the, the offense has to play with a lead. If they're playing from behind, they're done. I can't really talk
0: shit about Dallas. Cause they like just beat my team by 35 points.
1: <laughs> but what I will
0: say is that one, everybody beats my team by 30 plus points. Now that's, that's just the reality we live in, as Patriots. Yeah, players. good God. Thirty-four to nothing to the Saints this weekend.
1: I with o- Olave only catching like two passes. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't. I don't want to get too into it, but just like when Derek Carr drops back and has nowhere to throw and checks it down to Kendra Miller, who then gains fifty yards on the checkdown. It's like this team is completely broken. Yeah, but the Cowboys seem like they're just going to beat the bad teams this season. And like looking at their schedule, the bad teams are kind of off their schedule right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you had like a super soft opening to the season and should have gone 4 0 couldn't do it because you blew it at Arizona pounded by the 49ers next couple weeks at Chargers home for the Rams and then at the Eagles. There's also a bye weekend there. They have like a stretch of Giants, Panthers, Commanders, but the late season stretch, holy cow, Seattle, Philly, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit. And then they finish with the Commanders. Like it, the remainder of their schedule is not soft by any means. They might still be like a nine win team, eight win team that sneaks into the playoffs just because, like, looking at it right now, I don't know who's going to win enough games to take that spot from them if they do win nine games. But I don't think that it's a guarantee by any means.
1: There were like six games, six games on that schedule where I'm like, well, that's the- those are like almost guaranteed losses and they are, they're already at two. So the margin for error here is exceedingly small. For them to be in a playoff window,
0: yeah, these next couple of games are actually turn out to be pretty critical. Like they play the Chargers on Monday, going up against the aforementioned Kellen Moore. Yeah, they have a bye week, and then it's like you, you got to win at least one, preferably two of these Chargers
1: Rams games in order yeah, to yeah, stay if, in if, it. If they if they lose to the two LA teams, they're done.
0: It'd be really tough to come back from yeah being zero and two, and then what would that make them three and four through seven games?
1: Because yeah. they probably have to go at least five and one in the division, which I that that's a tall, tall ask. That's a tall order there.
0: Oh, I don't know. After what we saw out of Washington on Thursday, are you,
1: <laughs> you them, confident them- about that? Them beating Philly even once mm-hmm. is an extremely tall order. I'm
0: just saying the other four might be layups at this point.
1: <laughs> and, I, I don't
0: know if Washington plays that same game plan that they just played oh, against Justin yeah. Fields and the Bears.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, we'll 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 get to that rant.
0: <laughs> oh goodness. So <laughs> yeah, tough game for Dallas. Man, I on the 49ers side. I threw out my theory kind of briefly last week about how this is the year that the team that's getting a bunch of smoke blown up their asses instantly loses the next week. So this is the test of that theory. They play in Cleveland this weekend. Cleveland getting Watson back, coming off a bye. Everybody's going to be talking about the 49ers this week. Like, we're talking about them. I've listened to a couple other podcasts. Everybody's talking about them. They're like... They're like, this is the team. This is the 49ers year. They're so good. Look at all the weapons. If they lose to Cleveland this weekend, we know the theory is a real thing. It's going from a theory to what comes after a theory, like a practice, a pattern, just something that we know from
1: now on. I don't want to say it's like a fact, but like a stage before that, I
0: guess. (laughs) The best thing about the theory stage is that when something fits the theory, I can say that the theory is real. And when something doesn't fit the theory, I can say it's an exception that proves the rule and just piss off Mike wherever he is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, he don't love that.
0: So (laughs) I came away from the weekend. I think like everybody else who watches football, thinking the 49ers are the best team. I went through and kind of like tiered the contenders. And I came up with like, Really four tiers of contenders. I had the 49ers in a tier of their own right now. I had Philly in Fair. tier two, kind of Philly's kind of in tier two by themselves to me right now. They, they've had some like unimpressive wins. I mean, they're five and 0 they're taking care of business. But like, you know, looking back at only beating the Patriots by five, I'm kind of like <laughs> super skeptical
1: of anybody that can only beat us by five at this point. Hey, well, in fairness, that was when your team still thought it had hope. (laughs) So.
0: I don't to go from. We played two really good games against Philly and Miami to start the season to. We've lost the last two games, like 72 to three. I don't know, man. I'm I hate to say this, and I really hate to say this in a recorded format but I'm starting to think that firing Bill Belichick is the way to go
1: the the trajectory here feels very similar to like a team head coach by Matt Patricia it's, like they 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 come out of the, out of the season like Lose a couple of tough games to like some good teams, like play those teams better than you probably should have. And then like after that, it's just like the wheels kind of fall off and you'll pick up some games later on down the road when it doesn't matter anymore. But like at that point, like the, the season's over, everyone's kind of checked out.
0: Just enough games to not get Caleb Williams is what you're telling me.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: I think, there's been all sorts of Patriot stats thrown out the last couple of days. I'm just going to give you the most damning, and then I'm going to move on to my tears. The Patriots spent a mid-round pick on a kicker and a mid-round pick on a punter in the past draft.
1: I don't like where this is going for Eve.
0: <laughs> we are 32nd in special teams DPOA. A Bill Belichick team that dedicated real resources to special teams is dead last in DVOA.
1: Christ. I'm just
0: gonna I'm gonna say it. My dad is gonna gasp, and you can all just revel in it for a minute, and then we'll move on. I think it's time to let go of Bill Belichick. I honestly, like, I wouldn't promote anybody internally. I think we need to completely clean out the coaching staff. Everybody has to go. All new coaching staff. No more Bill. No more Bill's kids. No more Gerard Mayo, who I know people love. No more Bill O'Brien. We need completely new voices, a completely new staff. But So Phillies in tier two by themselves, mainly because the wins haven't been as impressive as San Francisco, and I'm also still concerned about the pass defense. Uh, it's getting better, but they're 25th in pass yards allowed, partially because you literally can't run the ball on them, so you have to throw it. They play uh, not this week, but next week they play Miami. So I'm super interested in that game because if that pass defense is a true weakness, Miami is going to absolutely expose that tier three is where it gets kind of interesting. Uh, I have Miami, I have Kansas city and I have Detroit as kind of the, I think these guys are a cut above everybody else. Miami. I kind of struggled to put in there because they did, get Smekeldorf by the Bills. But just like outside of that game, they've just been so good and they're so good offensively.
1: I heard an analogy that I think is pretty apt. The Buffalo Bills are an avalanche and that works both ways for them. So like there, there reaches a point in certain games where like, if you slip up as a team, like and the Buffalo Bills avalanche really piles on, and it's just, it's just already over. Like the you, you can't the onslaught can't be stopped at that point. Uh, however, we have seen a number of times where the Buffalo Bills avalanche themselves, uh, and unfortunately, in that game, the Miami Dolphins were on the wrong side of the avalanche.
0: Sometimes it's like a reverse avalanche where all the snow gets sucked back up the hill, <laughs> <It> just goes <laughs> to the top. The bill—I'm just gonna say this about the Bills—and you know, whatever you guys can take it with a grain of salt because I'm a Patriots fan. I—I I just think the Bills are the same team this year that they are every single year. Every single year, they're near the top of the league in DVOA. They have a good record, but they just lose like weird games. And then they can't get it done when it matters. And it's like yeah. we saw it again this week. This was, I'm skipping ahead to tier four, which is what I call the zigzag teams. It's like you can call it the zigzag teams, the roller coaster teams, the yo yo teams, whatever we want to call it. But like there's a group of contenders, like the Bills, the Ravens, you know, some other pretty good teams. Jacksonville could be in there where one week they just look phenomenal. And the next week, it's like, I this is not the team I watched last week. Yeah, Bills get like a little bit of a pass for me because they had to go to London and play at Jacksonville, who had been in London for a week already. Is a little weird, but like, you know, the Ravens yeah. specifically dominate Cincinnati, yeah. go to Cleveland, dominate Cleveland, go to Pittsburgh. Wow, we're gonna we're gonna dominate Pittsburgh. We're gonna sweep this uh, division on the road. And just lose, like, the most Pittsburgh game I've ever seen in my life. Like, you came over on Sunday. You were yeah. in town. I saw you on Sunday. We watched the game together, and we were just both sitting there like,
1: ah, it's so Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, I I will say, like, another point for, for Buffalo here, too. They lost Trey White last week, and then they lost Matt Milano very early in that game I mean like I don't want to create like too much of a pass based on injuries because obviously like still got to play the game but like those are cornerstones of that defense which is like really the strength of that team so like you you just don't have replacements for those guys because of how good they are when they're on the field. As far as Pittsburgh goes, I feel like I feel like at this point with them under knowing that like Matt Canada is bad and refusing to fire him, uh which I don't know, maybe they're just waiting until their bye week, who knows. Um but I feel like they're just like trying to lure everyone into a mud pit. <laughs> and just level the playing field and hope for the best.
0: Did you see the story that like TJ Watt dislocated a finger and like tore ligaments during the Baltimore game and then popped it back in himself and kept playing?
1: That sounds very much like TJ Watt.
0: After that made like the two biggest plays of the game, aside from like the George Pickens touchdown. Yeah. Such a TJ Watt story. The thing about the Bills, you know, I know they lost some guys and all that. They're going to come home. They're going to play the Giants on Sunday night. Like, what is the point of having the flex Sunday night scheduling if we're not going to flex out Bills Giants? (laughs) Why are we leaving that on Sunday night football? The Giants should not be in prime, like zero primetime games for the Giants the rest of the season. They should not have any. But they're gonna come home. They're gonna beat the snot out of the Giants on Sunday. They're gonna go to New England the week after. And Josh Allen's gonna have a perfect passer rating against the Pats defense again. He's probably gonna throw eight touchdowns. They're gonna beat us 42 to nothing. I know eight touchdowns is not forty two (laughs) points. Don't don't start with me, America.
1: Hold on, I'm talking to America. I'm having
0: yeah, Yeah. I'm having a bad season, guys. Like, thank God my fantasy team is good (laughs) because I don't know what I would do if like both my real team and my fantasy team sucked. And I couldn't do math, but they're going to (laughs) like beat the crap out of like the next three teams. They play, they're going to look really good in DVOA. People are going to be like, Oh yeah, see the bills are fine. And then they're going to go to Cincinnati in like three weeks on Sunday night football. And they're going to get smacked by the Bengals, And people are going to be like, Oh, so it's like, this is the yo-yo. It's like, Oh, they beat the crap out of somebody. They look so good. They lose to a good team. You know, we're just up and down and up and down. They'll end 12 and five. We'll pick against them in the second round of the playoffs and we'll be rich. This is the destiny of the Buffalo Bills. But one of the things that's really impressed me about your team, the Lions, is that like we have all of these teams, all of these potential contenders who are the yo-yos, the zigzags, the roller coasters who are just up and down and you expect them. Like the Ravens we talked about last week, where we're like, damn, they gotta be feeling really good about where they're at in this division. Cincinnati's off to a bad start. They just smack Cincinnati and Cleveland. Pittsburgh looks bad. And then Pittsburgh beats them. Cincinnati wins in Arizona, and all of a sudden, after all the boom and the bluster and all the concerns, Cincinnati's back to being one game behind the Ravens. When they had a choice like a chance to just like stomp on the throat of that division the lions have not yo-yoed this season. I know they lost that Seattle game, but I think Seattle is like a low key, really good team.
1: But yeah, I mean, we got to keep in mind, like it's week five, like a couple of bad games now for completely skews the perspective. And I think if we we look back on this in, like, week 12, some of the takes on Seattle are going to look real bad at this point in time. Mm -hmm. But for Detroit,
0: like, they lose the one Seattle game. It is what it is. But they've, like, really taken care of business the last couple weeks. And I know it's been inferior competition. But same old lions has been a saying in Detroit for years now. Yeah. I think it might be time to get rid of the saying. I don't think we can say same old Lions anymore because like, this week was another example. You go into this game against Carolina, a team you should absolutely smack. And then, you know, like whatever it is, Friday, Saturday, it's like, oh, you know, Amon Ra's out. Jameer Gibbs is out. We're missing a couple guys. And in the same old Lions days, this team might not lose that game but it would be closer than it had any right to be you know it'd be we'd be sitting on my couch sweating bullets watching this game no such luck for carolina on sunday they get smacked from the opening kickoff feels like for the lions that when they're playing you know these teams that are like pretty good teams like the falcons or like bad teams like carolina It's like, kind of doesn't matter who's out there for them. It's like, we're just going to make this work with the guys that are available and we're going to take care of business. And that's, they've done so, so far this season, been impressed. And so they're not one of those like yo yo teams that keeps getting dragged back into the muck with everybody else. They're like, oh, Green Bay, you want to absolutely implode on Monday Night Football? Be our guest. We'll take that two game division lead. Vikings literally can't win a one score game this season. Yeah, no problem. We'll take a three-game lead on you guys, too. Like, the NFC North race, I it might be over right now. I don't think anybody is going to win two more games than the Lions are the rest of this
1: season. I feel very comfortable with this lead. I would not be surprised if, at the end of the season, they win the division by... A bigger margin than their lead is right now. No one is posing themselves as any sort of threat. When you talk about them not being one of these yo yo teams, like that just really comes down to like every single player on that roster is entirely bought in to every word coming out. Of Dan came mouth. You know, he was talking about how, you know, he's he's never worried about the teams that you see coming, it's the teams that you don't see coming. And like one of his players came up to him and he was like, Hey, coach, chill out. We've got this. Right? They every one of them is taking these layup games. As seriously as going up against Kansas City week one, and that's huge.
0: I'm gonna say you something that's gonna piss you off. <laughs> You're not gonna like this, but we talked about my feelings about Bill Belichick right now and about how if we're gonna if we do get rid of him, we really need to clean house and just get rid of our all of our coaching staff, get a completely new head coach and start getting new blood in there. And I was like, man, who would I want to be the next head coach of the Patriots if we do indeed fire Bill Belichick? What coordinator around the league would I look at and say, that's the guy I want? I am officially starting the hype train. Ben Johnson to the Patriots 2024. The replacement coach. Ben Johnson's awesome. Man. And I, yeah, I want to steal a little piece of this Detroit culture and bring it over. Have something to be excited about when we watch Caleb Williams in New England next. That's like my dream scenario is like Ben Johnson and Caleb Williams in New England next season. I'll die. I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah. I can keep I my mean, fingers crossed. A man can dream.
1: I could see him considering that one. um
0: Well, if you get it, Caleb Williams and you have. One of the yeah. best owners in the league. It's like, that's a hard situation to turn down.
1: Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of people who just assume, like, big-time opening. This guy gets an offer. Like, he's automatically really going to consider that. There were people on Twitter during that 49ers Cowboys game who were just already saying, like, hey, we got to, like... Again, start doing the Photoshop of like Ben Johnson in a Cowboys shirt. There is a precisely 0% chance that Ben Johnson would consider that job. He had opportunities last year that he turned down. Like he's not just going to take an opportunity because it's there. Because A, he, firmly believes that he's going to have opportunities later later and B, like he's a relatively young guy who has a family and he's raising young children that a like i'm sure adam as a father you can understand like ripping them out of like that environment from their friends, stuff like that, like that you have to do that, like with good cause. Uh, You don't want to do that to end up somewhere shitty, like Dallas, that's just going to turn on you. The first opportunity they have not that Matt Nagy was an acceptable NFL head coach, but like we saw how Chicago fans were literally chanting fire Nagy at his son's football game. Ben Johnson is not going to bring that anywhere near his children.
0: My thing about the whole bill thing in new England is that I just don't see Kraft getting rid of him after all they've been through. Unless he has like the hire to bring in because yeah, no matter how bad the Pats are this season, it's going to be an absolute shit storm. If you fire like, and they won't fire Bill. It'll be like a they've decided mutually decided to part ways or something like that. Yep. I the number one thing I don't want to see is that we get rid of Bill and we recycle one of these old coaches. Like we make the proverbial Mike McCarthy hire. Yeah. I'm like go all in, get a young, talented offensive coordinator. I I love hiring OCs as head coaches, just because of like the nature of offenses, like to attack and to innovate and be per- more progressive than defense. Defense is, like, by nature, reactionary. I'm like, give me a young OC. Give me a super talented dude. Give me Ben Johnson. The The thing I love most about Ben Johnson, aside from, you know, you just mentioned he's a family guy and he's he- seems like an all-around good dude. He's not from anybody's tree. He's not from like the Shanahan tree. He's not from the McVeigh tree. He's not from the Bill Parcells tree. He's just like kind of his own. He just kind of came out of nowhere to be really, really good. And if all all of that is not enough of a selling point for Ben Johnson, they ran a double reverse flea flicker on Sunday to perfection. And Sam Laporta scored a touchdown and it was gorgeous. And I love, if you know anything about me, you know, I love a good flea flicker and it's not the first one they've run this season.
1: No, no, it's not.
0: Yeah. Before we go on to the last segment, I wanted to ask you a question about the NFC North. Like, I think we both agree the lions are, you know, we, we both picked the lions coming into the season and I think we both agree that they're going to win this by, you know, four games at a minimum at this point. Yeah. <laughs> are the Vikings like, is this iteration of the Vikings just, completely toast at this point like this is the last time we ever see like this era of vikings football with like kirk cousins and you know dalvin cook's already gone jefferson is on ir for four weeks they're already one and four they've lost four one score games after going 11 and 0 in one score games last season
1: have you seen the reports that justin jefferson is entirely committed to kirk cousins and if Kirk Cousins isn't back, he wants to follow him wherever he goes.
0: If that's the case, fuck Ben Johnson. Give me Kirk Cousins in New <laughs> England. Yeah, I mean, like I'll take some Justin Jefferson all day, every day.
1: We we were we were kind of even before we had the podcast, we were talking for years about how. The use of the salary cap and the construction of their roster, like, it wasn't sustainable. The last few years, it just feels like they were building these glass cannons. Like, the glass cannon finally just shattered this year. Don't know how you can choose to go forward and just try to run this back next year, but you, you need to just start rebuilding. The problem is, if those reports about Justin Jefferson are true, then they're rebuilding a hell of a lot more than they would have expected to. I
0: just am looking at this season with the news of the Jefferson injury today. Like it already seemed like a lost season. It seems like it's going to be completely lost because he's not, he's going to miss four weeks Yep, at least. And in that time they play the bears, the 49ers, the Packers and the Falcons. I think like best case is like two and two. Maybe you could pull off three and one in that time. I doubt it without Jefferson. Say they do go two and two. It's like, okay, yeah, he's eligible to come back, but they're a three and six football team through nine games. Why why come back? Why rush back? Why be like, oh, like I'm gonna potentially risk re injury to my leg? And Kirk Cousins might not even be there when he's ready to come back. Yeah, I, I think like we kind of joked about this a couple times, but if you're the Vikings right now, you have to seriously consider dealing Kirk Cousins before the October 31st deadline. Because you're not going anywhere this season. He's going to be a free agent. He's going to be 35 years old. What are you, you going to pay the guy? you going to give him another big deal? I would trade him. And like, honestly, I love Justin Jefferson. But if he demands a trade to wherever Kirk Cousins went, you could get it ton back for that guy yeah you got a ton back you want to talk about kickstarting a rebuild get a pick for Kirk get a I bunch mean, of stuff for Jefferson and you're he,
1: he's a more going, valuable trade asset than Tyreek Hill was yeah
0: like and, we, we saw what people got for the Tyreek Hills and Christian yeah. McCaffrey's and the you know he would be the most valuable trade asset to hit the market in recent memory like in at least twenty seasons, but I I do I think this is maybe the end of this era of Vikings football. So I I'm not gonna say that Vikings fans enjoyed it. Yeah, jeez. I think like the the peak was, it was.
1: Hey, it was interesting.
0: It was always
1: fun. <laughs> it was well for us. I think yeah, that's a better perspective. Mm-hmm. But that. it was never boring. This era,
0: this Kirk Cousins era of Vikings football we're going to leave it with the peak being the Minnesota miracle win over the saints and then instantly getting smushed by Nick Foles in the Eagles right after like that. That was the peak of Vikings football was winning that game against new Orleans in Minnesota.
1: Can we just say that it is almost always a bad idea Unless they are truly like demanding out they will not play play for you whatsoever to trade away a high-end wide receiver. Obviously, like okay, the Vikings traded digs, they ended up with Jefferson, right? That worked out, but like the odds on the, that working out the way it did were pretty low. Obviously, Kansas City has been successful since trading Tyree Kill but we've also seen what not having Tyreek Hill there has done to that wide receiver core. Now we're going to get to the worst one. Trading AJ Brown might be the worst trade I have ever seen because AJ Brown was incredible in Tennessee And he's just straight up unstoppable in Philly.
0: The way the AJ Brown trade worked out is probably the way that the Justin or the uh, Stefan Diggs trade should have worked out where they, they trade him for a first round pick, but then the pick doesn't hit because I think they picked Traylon Burks with that pick. And if Traylon Burks was like awesome, like Justin Jefferson is, then we'd be like, Oh yeah, good trade for both sides. Well, it's
1: not. So, that then in, in fairness to Traylon Burks, like we all kind of knew like he needed a little bit of development and like, OK, so the quarterback that you're supposed to develop with is Ryan Tannehill.
0: Yeah, I, d- I just think the other two trades you mentioned are more like exceptions. And I know we're talking about two versus one, but like the Stefan Diggs trade, you get Justin Jefferson, who like that's a home run pick. Most picks are not going to be that. Right, the the Chiefs have been successful without Hill because they have a transcendent quarterback who can make it work with almost anything you put out there, as long as you have him and Kelsey.
1: Yeah,
0: but I I still think like if you got Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in a room, maybe you got to like drink in them or something like that. You're like, if you had that Tyreek Hill trade back, would you want that back? They'd probably be like, oh hell yeah, we'd want that guy back.
1: Yeah, when you look at where these guys have landed in these trades and how those teams have done like that i think that's all you need to know
0: well that's why you make the trade so like if you're telling me i can have justin jefferson or i have like the inside track to get justin jefferson if i sign kirk you know what give me kirk give me ben johnson give me justin jefferson pat's back in the playoffs next season baby On to scolds and bolds for week five of the NFL season. Is it my week to go first?
1: I go first this week? I don't even remember at this point. Okay, I go first
0: (laughs) this week. My bold for week five is Atlanta Falcons quarterback Desmond Ritter. Speaking of roller coasters, Ritter was getting annihilated this week for his performance the last couple of weeks. Like he's been averaging 186 yards a game so far this season. People have really been clamping down on that run game the last couple of weeks and daring Desmond Ritter to beat them. And he just has not been able to do it. Uh, Houston tried the same thing on Sunday and Desmond Ritter delivered in a big way. 329 yards, completing 76% of his passes. Houston pretty much shut down Atlanta's run game. Uh, Atlanta ran 36 times for 96 yards. They dared Ritter to beat him. And he did. He absolutely delivered. Can he do it consistently against better teams? Who knows? But he did it on Sunday. And like after just all of the shit he was getting the last couple weeks, I just felt like he deserved some praise for delivering in a big way. And not only does he have the yeah. big game statistically, They get the ball back with like a minute 46 down one. Got to go get a field goal to win the game. And he drives that team right down. They get the game winning field goal. I was impressed.
1: I see it the same as. um, Yeah, when I mentioned Zach Wilson a couple weeks ago, right? Like you've been dragged through the mud. For good reason. (laughs) For a while now. But. Like, when your team needed you to step up, you stepped up and played high-quality NFL quarterback. Like, which is, like, literally the hardest thing in this sport to do. So, um, yeah, get on him. My bold comes from that mud pit of a game. <laughs> Uh, with the Ravens and Steelers, uh, finally
0: gonna give Matt Canada the credit
1: he deserves. Absolutely not,
0: <laughs> which is zero <laughs>
1: credit. Yes, TJ Watt continues to prove why he is the best defensive player in the NFL. Like, it's not just he's like racking up stats, he Like, it doesn't matter what you do to him. You're going to double team, whatever. Like, he keeps coming up with the biggest plays of the games in the most crucial moments. I think what strikes me so much with these huge plays he keeps coming up with is like their offense can't score worth shit. It's entirely on the defense to find a way to win this game. And, like, he consistently comes up with the big sack, forcing the turnover. Like, it's different every week, but, like, it's always him in the biggest moments. And there's not another defensive player in the NFL that I would choose to, like, Go down with than him because like he he's gonna give you a shot every week.
0: They're three and two this season, currently in first place (laughs) in the AFC North. Somehow they might legitimately be zero and five without him. Yeah, like you remove one guy from that team, like him and George Pickens. If one of those guys is missing, they're probably zero and five. Uh, but especially without Watt because he is incredible. I told the story earlier, like he legitimately dislocated his finger tore tendons and ligaments in it, popped it back in, finishes the game, has a bye week this week and is not going to miss any time. That's like hockey level stuff. That's incredible. (laughs) My scold for week five. I'm going like a little off the radar here. I think this is kind of (laughs) unexpected scold. Uh, It is the NFL scheduling department and whoever decides on these international games. It used to be that if you played in London, you got to buy the next week. You got time to recover. Atlanta played in London last week. They had a 1 p.m. game on Sunday against Houston. The Bills played in London last week. They play on Sunday. Luckily for them, they got Sunday night football. But like, They had to play Jacksonville, who had already been there for two weeks and adjusted, and it kind of showed. Like The Bills looked kind of sleepy on Sunday, starting that game. Jacksonville's been in London for two weeks, like I just mentioned. They got a 1 p.m. division game on Sunday. (laughs) The fuck is this? The Ravens play in London against the Titans this week. The Titans get a buy the following week. You know who doesn't get a buy? The Ravens. The Ravens have a 1 p.m. game against the Detroit Lions the following week. Who did this to these teams? AI.
1: Yeah, you know, it's you, funny. if you, You've seen those commercials, right? They're talking about how, like, AI is, like, a huge part of creating the schedule now.
0: Why is Allen Iverson that involved in creating the NFL schedule? <laughs> Get Allen Iverson out of there. He's doing a bad job. He's still out there trying to break ankles. Mm. It's funny. I have a conspiracy theory to throw at you guys because we have two Munich games. We have two Germany games coming up.
1: Mm -mm.
0: We got what could potentially be the game of the year, Kansas City versus Miami. They outsourced it to Munich. Both those teams get a bye after that game. Of course they do. We have whatever the opposite of a game of the year is in Munich the week after that. It's the Colts and the Patriots. Gardner Minshew, someone that I'm calling the closer because Anthony Richardson can only play three quarters and they got to bring Minshew in to close these games out. The closer versus the Patriots in Munich. Both those teams get a bye after they play in Munich. So all four of the teams that play in Munich get a bye only one of like the eight teams that played in London gets a buy. My conspiracy theory is that Allen Iverson, the NFL (laughs) front office purposely did this this season to prove that having a London franchise is viable because they're going to point to this and they're going to say, look, like those teams went to London. They didn't need a buy right after they could just come right back home and play. And it didn't matter. Why did that? Why just, I'm doing my Brian Windhorst face. <laughs> Why would Alan Iverson do this? They're moving Jacksonville to London in the next couple of years. They're trying to prove it's viable. God damn it, Allen Iverson. Scold of the week. I think that's one of our best bits yet. <laughs> I did not expect that segment to go where that went when I started it. <laughs> But I'm glad it went there. That's the whole point of this podcast. But uh, do do your scold, because it's... I, I've been waiting for this since Thursday.
1: You wouldn't note that Justin Fields and, more accurately, DJ Moore, had a huge game against the Washington Commanders and pretty much
0: single-handedly won that game. Some would say Justin had a Fields Day.
1: Well, that's all for tonight, guys. (laughs) As always, fouled out can be found on. Literally, the entire game, Jack Del Rio was running man coverage and quarters coverage, which more often than not functions as man coverage. At no point in time did he try to give. Any of his defensive backs help by doubling DJ Moore. Which, you know, if I'm going into a game against a team that has been horrendous offensively and I'm looking at that roster, I'm saying, hey, you know what? DJ Moore is actually the only guy who could like single-handedly beat us. Why don't I just make sure that that never fucking happens? But no it it almost felt more like you, you know when you've you watch like nba teams in the playoff and they're like all right they've got the star but we're going to shut everyone else down and we're going to make him beat us by himself but like it's that but they just like let him shoot 100% from the field
0: in this case with justin fields the star was basically Jamal Crawford and Jamal Crawford did beat them. Yeah. (laughs) Like I was at a concert on Thursday. Like We kind of mentioned this earlier in the week, but I think everybody knows Justin Fields is my fantasy quarterback, which like, thank God he's turning his season around from a fantasy perspective because I recommended him to everybody and like, he's back up to being QB three now. Uh, so my recommendation looks good again, (laughs) but I was at a concert with my wife on Thursday. Uh, we're sitting there enjoying the concert, and I'm like, okay, I gotta run to the bathroom. I look at my phone, and it's like 76 yard pass to DJ Moore, touchdown to DJ Moore, 50 yard pass to DJ Moore, touchdown to DJ Moore. I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? And Matt's texting me like, this is the dumbest game I've ever seen. I hate the, hate Jack Del Rio. What's wrong with these people? And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm winning fantasy this week.
1: It, it felt like watching someone like stick their hand in like a paper shredder, but they're like complaining about it. And it's like, you're literally doing this to yourself. It's like you, that. You, you, this was entirely avoidable.
0: It's like that Eric Andre meme where he shoots Hannibal Burris. It's like Yes. Yeah. Jack Del Rio, like shooting the Washington defense. And
1: he's like, why would our corners do this? <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, like, Justin Fields still, like, missed a number of throws in that game. It's not like Justin Fields was, like, super sharp. They just refused to actually, like, give someone help on DJ Moore. And so Fields was able to just, like, chuck it up there and let him go get it.
0: (laughs) I wanted to see the, like, Justin Fields is cooking meme. Like, oh, Justin Fields is cooking this week. It's like, what's he cooking? It's like him with like a bowl of ramen. It's like, yeah, it was super easy, but it did turn out good. I was trying not to laugh while you were doing your Jack Del Rio rant, but I was just picturing my dad listening to this podcast and getting to the part where you're like, yeah, AI is helping with the schedule. And my dad's probably like, Allen Iverson. <laughs> then I was like, why is Alan Iverson helping with the schedule? Like, I, I just... He's going to love that. He's going to he'll text me during that part then he'll text me again during this part. <laughs> last thing before we sign off the elimination pool pick for week six, Uh, we hold a fast one on you guys. We picked Detroit on the podcast last week on Sunday when I saw Matt, we switched it to Miami over the Giants because Detroit had a bunch of guys out and we're like, I oh, had, yeah. you know, we were thinking about picking Miami anyway. We'll just be safe. Uh, If you guys are picking with us at home and you pick Detroit, you're good. We're good either way. We're all on to week six. If you didn't pick Miami last week, you can this week. They have the Panthers in Miami. That's a good game to pick. Uh, We unfortunately cannot pick that one because we've already used Miami. We have I think two options. It's like we have two options, but I already know which one we're going to go with for this week. <laughs> we have the Rams at home for the Cardinals that we could take. Or we have the Eagles on the road for the Jets. I think those are probably our two best picks.
1: I know we don't pick road teams.
0: Well, this is the thing. We got to break one of the rules. It's either yes. we're picking a division game or a road team. And I think I'm more comfortable picking the road team when it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. So that's, that's the one I locked in. I figured you would agree. Um, Yeah.
1: And it's not that I, I don't feel confident in the, uh, the Rams ability to beat the Cardinals, but we, we talked about it like before the season started, uh, that, that Rams roster is like just a couple injuries away from like all right, we're really in big trouble. <laughs> so Cooper Cup uh, did be looking good on Sunday though. He he looked like Cooper Cup.
0: Real good. Him and Puka together looked like the two of them, Kyron. Like the Rams are the Rams are cooking if they can stay healthy.
1: Yeah, they're like A sneaky good team. I mean, I know like they've lost some games, but like they've played some of the best teams in the NFC really tough.
0: Yeah. So Eagles over the Jets it is. Uh, I think I'm just going to do the cleanup here because some people are going to ask. Kansas City is at home for the Broncos, which is a very obvious pick. Uh, the Bills are at home for the Giants, which is a super obvious pick. We already used Kansas City and Buffalo. That's why I didn't mention those. Uh, the Raiders are at home for the Patriots. Are, are we in the territory where we could start picking against the
1: Pats now? I don't don't trust Jimmy G and Josh McDaniel to get a job done. Just,
0: just not the Raiders. We, we can't pick the Raiders over them, but the Pats have quickly become a team that we can in fact pick against and I'm sure. We will in short order, but uh for now, that is it for us. As always, you can find Fouled Out on Spotify, Apple Podcast, cast Overcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. You can find Matt on Twitter at Mattador underscore defense. And you can find our videos on TikTok at Fouled Out Sports Podcast. It's a long name but you can't miss it. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday uh, last week, we mentioned Texas versus Oklahoma as the college game of the week. It delivered in spades a uh, just like a fantastic game from start to finish that game of the year so far to me. Yeah. Could easily be topped this weekend. Uh, Saturday, 330 in Washington, number eight, Oregon versus number seven, Washington rivalry game, the pack. 12 is really good so far this season. And these seem to be the two best teams. Like the over under on that is 67 and a half and could, it could be any type of game. Like it could be like 50 to 50. It could be like 10 to 10. Nothing would surprise me, but I think it's going to be really fun.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, if you think like, Oh yeah. Like maybe I, I got better things to do though. Like just keep in mind, like, you got to get your Pac-12 games while while they last, because <laughs> like this is it. This, this is, big, is the last
0: year. This is a Big Ten game next season, baby.
1: Yeah, Let's go. So
0: a uh, couple other ranked games at night. USC goes to Notre Dame. Miami goes to North Carolina. UCLA goes to Oregon State. But the Oregon and Washington is the headliner. I've been looking forward to this game since before the season. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're taking the kiddo to a cider mill on Saturday. So I'll, I think by this time I'll be home on the couch with hot cider and donuts ready for the last, the last gasp of PAC 12 action I can get. All right. That's it for week five. We'll be back next week after week six, uh, sometime next week. Keep an eye out for the podcast next week. I have to travel to Mexico for work and be there all week, but we'll, we'll get a pod out in some form. To you guys next week, Matt and I got to figure that out. But we will be back. All right, buddy. I'll see you soon. Later. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye mom. Bye.